you're here to do your gymnastics the best that you can do and that's that if you do your best and you're last you'd be proud of it if you slack off and you be first know that you still have work to do because it's not about beating everyone else it's about being better than you were five minutes ago Welcome to the Tenno podcast by Train Like a Gymnast, a podcast for formerly competitive gymnasts, dancers, and cheerleaders to come together as a community to realize their potential. Together, we go farther. My name's Danielle Gray, and I'm the founder of Train Like a Gymnast, here to help you become the best version of yourself physically, mentally, and emotionally. On Tenno, I sit down with Olympians, Cirque du Soleil artists, former elites and collegiate athletes, stunt performers, and fitness professionals to show you that you're not alone. Want to win a free coaching session from me? If you've loved everything you've heard in this episode or love Tenno in general, we want to hear from you, and we may even feature you in a future episode. So all you got to do is go to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star review, screenshot that review, and then send it to team at trainlikeagymnast.com. That's team at trainlikeagymnast.com to be entered. If you win, we'll contact you to schedule your session. Welcome, Nathan. Thank you so much for coming on the Tenno Podcast today. If people aren't familiar with who you are... Go ahead and give a little introduction about you. Hi guys, my name's Nathan Tuji. I've been doing gymnastics pretty much my entire life as far as I can remember. I don't really know my life without gymnastics. I first started when I was three years old, developmental teams as this tiny little kid running around the gym. I got into competing pretty much right after my sixth birthday, fell in love with the sport, stayed with it until I retired a year ago. Oh, a year ago today actually was when I officially was like, done, done. And I was done. I signed with Cirque du Soleil, and I went up last September to start creation on the show Under the Same Sky. It's their new big top touring show. And obviously everything got put on hold due to the coronavirus pandemic, but hopefully we'll be back on schedule next year and I'll be out there performing. That's so exciting. I can't wait to see that show. So with your experience throughout just regular gymnastics and through college, I know one of the topics that you really like to talk about is being internally or externally motivated. So I'm curious, what differences have you seen in all your different athletic endeavors among athletes who are internally and externally motivated? Yeah, that's definitely something I'm super passionate about. Growing up, especially in men's gymnastics, you start with a big team when you're younger. And then as you get older, a lot of times it whittles down to you have one or two guys in the elite level in the JO program. And I noticed that most of the times the people that tended to stay with gymnastics, it's because they had that internal drive, that internal fire to become the best that they could be. And it wasn't about the results at competition. It was about the results each day, each practice, each turn. And what I mean by that is when I came into the gym, I wanted to leave the gym better than I came in. If I could improve on one thing each day, I would feel successful. And then when I went to competition, it was fun. It was time to show off what I've been training in the gym, what I've been progressing on, and just a culmination of what I've been working on. But that wasn't the real goal. The goal at competition was to do the best that I could do on that day. And the way to ensure that you were the best that you could be on that day was by training and training and training and just becoming who you could be, the journey. The journey was the important part for me. I had a couple teammates who they ended up quitting when they were 12 or 13 years old because when they were little, they obliterated the competition and what they loved was winning. They didn't necessarily love training, they didn't love the journey, they loved the glory of standing on top of the podium. And suddenly when we got older and they weren't winning every event and weren't winning every competition, the fun started to go away. 
and that's when they would start to drop off. I always had, and maybe it was because of how I was raised, my father told me from the time I was a very, very little kid, as long as you do the best that you can do on that day, I'll be the most proud parent in the crowd, no matter what. If you do the best that you can, and you fall twice, and you get last place, but it was the best that you could do, I will be very, very proud. If you win the Olympics slacking off, being lazy, but you win the Olympics, I'm going to be disappointed because I don't care how you place compared to everyone else. I mean, obviously he cared, and if the best that you could be is first place, that's remarkable. I'm not taking credit away from anybody that wins. The point is, compete within yourself. Try to be the best that you can be, and the results will follow. And don't worry where that is compared to everyone else because each person is an individual. You can only be so good. So that boiled down to, like I said earlier, if you do your best and you're last, you'd be proud of it. If you slack off and you be first, know that you still have work to do because it's not about beating everyone else. It's about being better than you were five minutes ago. So you brought up a lot of different points, and yep. I was trying to remember <laughs> what I wanted to ask. So I guess the first one would be, what does it mean to be the best athlete you can be? I think the best athlete that you can be, there's a couple different ways you can look at it. On the day of competition, did you give it your all? Did you get a good sleep the night before? Did you eat right? Did you hydrate? Did you do everything you could that day to be the best that you could? The answer is yes. You were the best athlete that you could have been that day. However, you have to look back in every day leading up to that. Did you do everything that you could? Was your coach not watching and you only did nine pike toe touches instead of 10? Was your coach not watching and you didn't really push down on your oversplits as hard as you could when she went to go sit on someone else? We've all done that. It's okay because nobody's perfect. But on competition day, it's not just, did I try my best today? You have to look back and did I try my best every day, every moment in the gym and give it my all. And that's what being your best is. And so then you also mentioned your dad saying that he'd be proud of you if you just did your best, right? Yeah. Did you ever notice parents who almost helicopter parented <laughs> their kids in the sense of they cared more about the sport and the kids' success than the kid themselves? Definitely. So I'm very vocal about how fortunate I was to have the parents that I had. Obviously, that developed me into the person that I am today. They weren't the parents that put me into gymnastics to get a scholarship or put me into soccer to get a scholarship. I loved gymnastics. I stuck with it because I loved it and I wanted to go. Every year at the end of the season, they asked me if I wanted to continue. And there was no pressure to stay. There was no pressure to quit. They wanted to know what I wanted to do. And obviously, if I was super down and I said, I don't want to do gymnastics anymore. This is hard. If I wanted to quit, I wouldn't make that decision in a day. They would revalidate a couple times to make sure that is something I actually wanted because of the amount of time and effort in my life that I had already invested into the sport. So the original question being helicopter parents. Yeah, I definitely saw that. There's always those parents that were writing down every score and they knew their stats on their kids and what the kid was doing and what the other kids in the meet were doing. And for some kids, that might work. If the kid's super into it and their goal is to win, obviously you have to know what everyone else is doing. Personally, I found the more that I focused on what everyone else was doing, that would just distract me on being better myself. And especially with gymnastics, it's not like wrestling, where you can do your best in wrestling, but the other guy's better, and his performance directly affects your performance if it's a one-on-one, -on -one or baseball, or football, or sports like that, or tennis, where each thing that you do is directly affected by your opponent, or your adversary, or whatever you want to call it. In gymnastics, and I think that's one of the unique things about our sport, especially in the guy's side where everyone supports each other a lot. I've been at college competitions where I've seen the last event to go for the other team and the guy falls and I'm genuinely sad about it because I wanted him to hit his routine. 
and maybe his fall caused us to win but i was still sad because we we're always supporting each other and just want each other to do the best that we can and someone else nailing their high bar set does not affect my floor routine i can do the best that i can on floor they can do the best that they can on floor and the score is just gonna fall where it falls but i don't need someone else to do worse for me to do better Right, so that brought up a thought. Did you notice differences between college gymnastics and junior Olympics? Like, the competitors, the type of support. I feel like college gymnastics is so much more team, everybody's in it, you all understand. And I feel like junior Olympic or elite, it's just very focused on you. And like, you know, some people aren't even allowed to watch other competitors' routines. (laughs) Yeah, I never experienced the not being allowed to watch everyone else in men's gymnastics. Because a lot of times, especially once you reach level 9 and 10 in gymnastics, we call ourselves armies of one. I competed by myself on my own team. I could never compete in the team competition because I didn't have three people. So the biggest difference for me between JO and college, I really enjoyed competing for a team. And my routine wasn't for me. The goal was to have the team do the best that we could. And that was a really fun experience. And college was louder. A lot louder. The energy at a college competition, I'm just going to get nostalgic and like go off on a tangent for a second. JO is fun and you think it's crazy and you think it's loud, but college is a whole nother level. If your voice, we used to say this, if your voice is not gone by the end of the competition, you didn't support your team enough. It is crazy. There are instances, even for armies of one though, in JOs where you did start to feel that team aspect and that was when you would make, you know, regionals, California, Nevada, Arizona, Hawaii, region one. Right we're the best it's okay sorry everyone else i just had to say that it's a region we have to um region one anyways you would have your norcal elite team your southern california elite team nevada arizona hawaii and at regionals the top seven from each state made up that elite team so then there was that team aspect there was that local pride of no norcal is going to beat socal we we didn't do it as often as we'd like but (laughs) once that was over there was never any like oh i hope they fall because as soon as you'd finish regionals, the top guys would come onto the regional elite team. And then we would be going against the rest of the country, and then suddenly region one was this click. We were region one, you know? Right. Gotta love region one. Yeah, that was the team aspect that I was able to feel as an individual yeah. competing like by myself in JOs. So that makes me think of like so many people who were only in JO or didn't make it to college. Like some of us, right? We never had that experience with gymnastics, so Mm -hmm. we only know one side of it. So when you think about that, people can have such a completely different experiences in their gymnastics career. And so what would you say to someone who maybe had a bad ending to their gymnastics career because of a certain environment they were in and they didn't get to see a different side of it? I am so sorry. You You can't dwell on the past. You can't go back and change it. There's always going to be unfortunate situations and things don't always turn out the way you wanted. I was told by doctors, I think three times, four times, quite a few times that my gymnastics career was over. I was told from the time I was little, I was going to need reconstructive surgery on my ankles. That's still debatable. That one probably should happen at some point. When I was 12, I destroyed my shoulder and the doctor, the orthopedic surgeon said, you know, we're going to need to do surgery, blah, blah, blah. It's you know, your shoulder's never going to be the same. I competed rings for five years in my collegiate program. I got, I think I got 13th at a national qualifier thing. So you, you can come back from a lot of injuries that doctors tell you you can't. I had to have some internal issues surgically fixed through two different procedures. They said I'd never do gymnastics again. Still doing gymnastics. Came back from that, broke my back. You're never going to do gymnastics again. A year later, doing gymnastics again. So there's always going to be things that try to hold you back. And as long as you just keep a positive mindset and 
realistically look at where you can go from there, then you can you keep your spirits up and keep living your life. There's a quote that I always, it's from a bunch of old freedivers. The quote was, the goal is to get as close to God as you can without meeting him. And mm-hmm. uh, freediving is a sport where you hold your breath, you swim down as far as you can in the ocean, and you come up before you pass out, essentially. The meaning behind that phrase is not religious. It's get as close to you, God as you can without meeting him, as in push your limits till you're about to die. But don't meet him, because obviously if you meet him, you failed. And the part that, I don't know where I heard it, I don't know who said it, but the part that comes after that, for me, is know your limits, but never accept them. And that's kind of a phrase that I've tried to live my life by, because it is very important to know what you can do and what you can't do. When I was nine, I couldn't do a double-double, but I didn't accept that, oh yeah, I'm never going to be able to do a double-double. I knew my limits, so I wouldn't just go try it on floor and crash. That's just not smart know your limits, don't accept them. So do the drills, do the progressions, do your conditioning, do everything you need to do to increase your limits to where you want it to be. I like that. And I'm totally going to title this episode that. Because it's important because you always see those kids that think they can do something Mm -hmm. and you will be able to do it someday, but you need to accept that right now you, it's not safe. Right. Know your limit. Yeah. Don't, don't accept that as the highest that you can be because you can always be more than you currently are. But you have to be realistic on what you can do safely right now. Exactly. And that happens with adults all the time. Oh, Oh, I've never done a back tuck. I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm too tall. I'm too this. And it's like, have you started training them instead of just going for it? And that's that's the thing that Train Like a Gymnast is all about. So I don't want to get out of order there, but I want to go back to when you were saying you were told over and over again that your career is over. People weren't believing that you could keep going. What were the actual strategies that you used to keep going and believe in yourself because it's hard when people tell you for me it's kind of motivating one Uh, of my college coaches one of those yeah i had a there's a skill on p-bars it's called a amna yamawaki whip it people call it a bunch of different things but i was basically told no you're not going to be able to do this and i competed it as my mount on parallel bars for three years afterwards after a summer of training without my coach and i was like i'm gonna come back and show him i'm gonna do this people who know me know that if they say you won't it's pretty much a guarantee that i will it's just kind of how it goes. I'm that uh, kid where I if you tell me I that. can't, I'm going to do it. It's like, watch me. Unless, of course, I know it's above my limit. And then I'll be like, okay, I'll do it in a little bit. I'll practice, <laughs> maybe see if it's possible. We'll find out. But no, I just think if you love something and you want to do it, do everything that you can to do it. We're going to overuse this quote, but knowing your limit. When I broke my back, if I had been saying to myself, no, I'm going to do gymnastics. I'm going to come right back. I'm not going to listen to the doctor. That'd be stupid because I would have gone back, redestroyed myself, and then I never would have done gymnastics again. Right. But I did my rehab. I stretched. I did everything I needed to do. And each day I knew where that limit was that I could keep training and keep progressing. And that's not to say that you're not going to have setbacks because you're definitely going to have setbacks. I had one time where during my collegiate career, about five five or six years after I broke my back, that it just went out for five weeks. And I was like struggling to walk around the house and everything was difficult. But then, you know, six weeks later, I started to get back on floor and high bar and you can come back. So it's it's just about knowing, know yourself and push yourself just as far as you can to improve yourself each day. I love that. Hope you're listening out there. So what do you do currently to better yourself and focus on yourself? Right now, it's a rather unique time where I'm not quite sure when my show is going to come back. I can't exactly go into a gym and train. So what I'm trying to do right now is I've been doing a little more reading, self-reflection, looking at what can I do during this time. I try to stretch every day 
to maintain my flexibility. I have a habit where I wake up in the morning, I tell myself first thing I do, I wake up, do a couple push-ups just to get that out of the way. Try to create some form of habit during this time to keep myself on track because I do need structure in my life and without structure in my life I tend to just kind of bleh. Okay, so structure and routine is something that keeps you operating at your mm -hmm. best, right? I think right now actually what I'm doing to keep myself my best self I did air quotes there, you can't see it because it's a podcast, but I did it. I'm taking this time and I'm accepting that this is a little break that my body might have actually needed. So I'm allowing myself to eat that cookie dough and I'm allowing myself to go out and have a bunch of Thai food and maybe put on a little weight. Not excessively, still stay healthy, but I'm using this time to kind of give my body a breather because it's never really had a breather. When I retired from gymnastics, I gave myself a couple weeks to chill out but I knew I was gonna be going to Cirque, so I was like, oh no, I can't, I don't wanna get out of shape, I don't wanna lose this. And now I'm just letting myself relax, kind of focusing on what I am without acrobatics, without circus, without gymnastics, without competition. I've kind of taken a break from social media for the last couple months, just kind of focusing on me. What makes me happy? What am I gonna do when this is all over? Because I'm eventually gonna to have to face that. Hopefully not, now I'm just gonna perform forever. I think what I'm doing to better myself right now is just a lot of internal reflection, taking time, spending it with my family. I'm obviously home during this time, so I'm not touring with Cirque. So I'm fostering a relationship with my father more. Obviously, we already had a good relationship, but it's getting even stronger. Putting my roots in at home, just kind of taking a break, being me before we go back out and tour the world and have fun and be crazy. I love it. So here's an interesting question. Have you ever struggled with comparison? Because you don't seem like you have or do but I feel like everyone's fallen into that trap at some point or another struggle with comparison as in comparing myself to others mm -hmm. who hasn't I mean there's you can I always you can always talk about the competition is internal but standing in last place never feels good <laughs> I think that's it I wouldn't say it's a coping mechanism because it's not not necessarily like that but it's a good self-check like did if you did everything that you could and you're always in last place maybe that's not the sport for you or maybe this is not where you need to be there's a hilarious thing, if at first you don't succeed, I think my brother had it on his wall. <laughs> if at first you don't succeed, then maybe skydiving's not for you. <laughs> it's, you need to find your place in life. And if you love something and that's your passion, I don't care where you end up, that's your place, you love it. But if it's, you know, if it's business and you're in public relations and you hate people, maybe that's not where you should be. But no, definitely comparison at, I was at this competition, it's called Winter Cup, it's basically men's national team trials and it's a two-day competition I never made it to day two because you know well that's just what happens when you're with really awesome great other gymnasts I was definitely very nervous at Winter Cup because I was rotating with the US Olympic Training Center and I will admit I felt entirely out of place these are guys that I've watched growing up these are guys that are very 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 talented and I am not on their level but that's where I was able to retreat into my well, I wouldn't say retreat into myself just kind of look introspectively into myself. You're here to do your gymnastics, the best that you can do, and that's that. I'm not gymnast size, so I kind of had that little <laughs> that little thing inside of me where I was, <laughs> oh, well, you know, I'm a lot taller than them, so it's easier for them. And, you, you know, you take those little, those little nuggets where you can. But, no, I've definitely struggled with watching someone and just being in awe. Oh, I wish I could be like that. Ugh! Or I wish I could take five steps into a tumbling pass and not <laughs> land all the way out of bounds. To give you a frame of reference, I'm basically 5'10", and if I do a full power, like, round-up back handspring, anything, I can go left, right, left, hurdle. If I take any more than those three steps, 
I will be taking off in the corner, flying off the floor. <laughs> and then you have these people going, step, 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 step. Oh, I wish I could vault into my tumbling pass. <laughs> but I digress. <laughs> but that's good. So then what do you tell yourself? Like when you feel yourself having those thoughts or, you know, you're in awe, but you're also kind of comparing yourself and it may knock you down a little bit. What do you tell yourself to bring it back? It wasn't me that actually brought myself back. I'm going to make sure I look his name up real quick because he actually helps me a lot with this. He didn't do it on purpose. So I was at Winter Cup and still kind of feeling like, how did I get here? Why am I here? Am I good enough to be here? And John Lucas, he's a coach at NorCal United, very involved in gym act and keeping men's collegiate gymnastics going past the JO level. And he probably doesn't even remember this, but he came up and he said, do you finally realize that you belong here? And it was just a little like passive statement, but it really made me feel like, wow, okay, people know who I am. And it's, it's not, I just snuck in here under the radar. It was a nice feeling when a coach that I really respected said, you belong here. It wasn't one of those, hey, hey kid, you're doing okay, you're here. It was snap out of it, do you finally realize that you're good enough to be here? And that was a moment that I, I felt a lot more confident and I felt better. And the other moment that I felt better about being there was my gymnastics isn't difficult. I don't do difficult gymnastics. I do elegant gymnastics. And my, I told my parents that from the time I was little. Like, I was a little kid, I loved pointing my toes and all that, and I was like, no, I do elegant gymnastics. Like, your style's slow. It's like, no, it's elegant. And then, in some article write-up, they basically said, look at his floor for the elegant lines or whatever. And I was like, yes! People are noticing! But you just, you know, you find your strengths and you play towards those. And I never competed a double-double on floor. I trained them, they hurt my ankles on takeoff, and I knew that I couldn't do the repetitions I needed to do in practice to put it into a routine. Because, you know, you have to do a lot of repetitions to make it solid. And I just, my body couldn't handle that. If you do a double-double, it's worth five tenths. You're going to be tired. It's going to take energy out of you. And you're probably not going to stick it. Your chest might be down a little bit. You take a one to three-tenths step. So then that five-tenths skill nets you two-tenths. Or you can just kind of walk into a double back, stick it, it's not hard, you're not worried about it, you're not stressed, your body's fine, and you netted three tenths. So I tended to do smart gymnastics compared to hard gymnastics, and just do a bunch of C's and D's in your routine instead of E's and F's, and just play to what you can do. But if you're not somebody that can stick a landing, then yeah, you need to huck those harder skills, but I was able to do basic skills, cleanly stick them, and that's how I did it. And that's why you belong there. So when did you realize, so I, I mean, you're very intrinsically motivated, you're very technical and smart with how you... Don't get me wrong, I love winning. It's a great <laughs> feeling. No one said you did it, but I, I'm saying... I think it's a better feeling when you did your best, and then you realize my best beat everyone. Right. Yes! Right. So if you are the one who is like, okay, so I'm doing this for myself, I know I'm here to do my best, all of that... When did you realize that other people's performance, like all the competition or even like just doing it for someone else, doesn't affect your outcome, like you said before? I was pretty young when my parents made me realize that because, you know, you get on the horse, you do your routine, you get off, you get a score. Mm -hmm. There could be three million people in the room. There could be one judge and you in the room. Mm -hmm. It's not going to affect your score. You know, what you do in gymnastics is what you do. Mm -hmm. So I've kind of understood that most of my life my parents are very analytical in the way they talked and very straightforward mm -hmm. and they just kind of helped me realize that it's like I do my ring routine I finish my ring routine nothing else is going to affect that ring routine unless the lights go out right 
So how can you translate that over into the real world? Oof, that's mm-hmm. a rough question. I'm still working on that. Mm-hmm. Because in the real world, you do have to interact with other people and what they do will affect you. And all that you can do is the best that you can with the situation you're given. And part of that is going to include dealing with other people. With gymnastics, it's very different because at work, you're not just working on your one little thing and then it's done. In gymnastics, you do. So I guess if you're going to equate the real world to gymnastics, it's like if you have people throwing stuff at you while you're doing your routine. Focus on your routine, do the best that you can do, but you can't ignore everything else. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to deal with all of the input that's happening. Right. Did you ever have that? Did you ever have those routines where you're doing routine and your teammates are chucking stuff at you? Yeah, we would do pommel horse routines, and we were not the most consistent on pommel horse, so the bright idea was forged. Two people will stand at either side of the pommel horse with a piece of foam, (laughs) and they're allowed to throw it at you as hard as they can at any point during your routine. And there was a lot of fake-out throws and stuff like that, but it was really fun (laughs) because you just... I I tuned it out. I just kept focused on what I was doing on the first one. The second one, I started to play around a little bit, and then I fell because I was trying to dodge it and... But yeah, if you if you if you're focused and you understand that there are gonna be distractions and you stay really just whatever it is you're doing, work or whatever you're focused on, if you stick with that, you're gonna get through it. But where people get tripped up in life is when those distractions, like if a piece of foam hits you or something and you follow that distraction, you get off your course and you end up not getting further to where you want to be. So one of my favorite quotes is the is what you're doing today helping get to where you want to be tomorrow type of thing. Are you trying to be the best version of yourself? Are you being the best that you can be? And that's every day. So, yeah, we're saying the same thing, just Mm -hmm. different words. Mm -hmm. That's exactly it. Last two questions I have for you is, you've mentioned a couple things, but if you can pull anything out, what is the best piece of advice you've ever received from a coach or a family member? <laughs> well, the, the first thing I want to say is just from one of my JO coaches who I also did performances with from the time I was eight. His favorite thing to say to me before competition was this is not word for word, but you know, I've been competing for many years. I've trained with a lot of great coaches, have a lot of advice, have a lot of wisdom. If I boil that all down, he'd look me in the face, give two thumbs up, and say, Do good! <laughs> that, was, that was the advice my coach would give me every time. And it would always lighten me up a little bit. Because really, once you're there, you can't change anything. Just yeah. do the best that you can do. Right. Do good. Do good. That advice. And you know, the other advice, it was what my dad said, the competition is an internal. Mm. Because the only person that you're accountable to at the end of the day, the only person that you really have to answer to, besides your parents, I mean, depending on who you are, <laughs> but in all honesty, the only person you have to really answer to at the end of the day is yourself. When you're lying in bed, eyes closed, trying to go to sleep, are you going to sleep like a baby or are you going to have those what if questions? And we're always going to have the what if questions. That's that's never going to go away. But if you can genuinely tell yourself, yes, I tried the best that I could. Okay, I slacked off a little bit there, but nobody's perfect. As long as you can look at yourself, look in the mirror and tell yourself that you didn't do anything stupid. You didn't slack off. You weren't making excuses that didn't need to be there. You didn't cheat yourself. Then you're fine. Last question I always ask everybody who comes on the show is what does it mean to train like a gymnast? Training like a gymnast. Gymnastics training is brutal. It really is. It means you're going to push yourself to be the best that you can be. I've said that way too often. But gymnastics is really, it's just you and a piece of equipment or you on the floor. And training like a gymnast is challenging yourself every day, not accepting that something is impossible. 
if you look at most of the stuff that we're doing now in gymnastics, I can't speak to women's gymnastics, I don't know the code as well, but a while ago, one of the hardest dismounts on high bar was a double twisting double layout. Now that's being done as a release, and not just one guy. A uh, triple back used to be an impossible high bar dismount, and now there's this guy, Fusuke, I don't know his last name, but he's doing a, a triple back as a release move on high bar. Training like a gymnast is just pushing the boundaries every day, day after day, rep after rep, never accepting that there's a ceiling. And as we look at gymnastics, there hasn't been a ceiling yet. Every Olympics, there's some new crazy stuff being done, and people are retired going, thank God. God, I'm done. I mean, I look at, whenever I open Instagram, it's just, oh, thank God I'm retired. Thank God I'm retired. I would never be able to do that. Thank God I'm retired. It's ridiculous. So yeah, training like a gymnast is just pushing your boundaries and knowing your limits and never accepting them. That's so true. And I hope all of you listening take that to heart and apply that to every area of your life. Knowing your limits, but never accepting them, whether it be at a new job, whether it be trying to start a business, whether it be learning a new sport or a new language. Obviously, when you first start, and I know in our first season, Alicia Sacramone Quinn said this in the last episode, if you haven't listened to season one, episode 12, I believe, she talks about the same thing. Sure, you're not going to be able to do like a double Arabian straight off the bat. Like you're going to have to train like a gymnast. And if you can... You're really good. So you better be doing a lot more than an Arabian double. You've got to train like a gymnast to get there. Sure, it, it takes time. So you have to understand that where you're at now is not where you're always going to be if you're actively working towards something. And that's not just with the physical. That's with the mental side of things. That's with your emotional health, anything really in life. This episode and that quote can help you get 1% better every single day. You have one more thing to say? Yeah. Yeah. It was in that because we were saying that, you know, training like a gymnast, trying to be the best that you can be. And I always talked about the competition is internal. You're trying to better yourself. That does not mean that it's only you working. You're going to have to reach out. You have to let other people in to help you be your best self because nobody is complete on their own. Yeah. You need a coach. You need friends. You need mentors. You might need someone that you don't like to motivate you. It doesn't matter. Everybody can help you in some way, shape, or form. Mm -hmm. So staying within yourself and competing with yourself to try to better yourself, I said yourself a lot, and you need to let other people in to help make you better. And in the process, you'll probably end up making them better too, and you'll just foster a good community. Exactly. You never know how you could help someone. You never know how someone can help you. Coaches need coaches. Even the best athletes have coaches. And those coaches might not have gone as far as that athlete is, but the coach can help push the athlete to get there. If your dream for yourself does not require other humans, it's not big enough. With that, if you want to follow Nathan on his journey and see him in his new Cirque show when it comes, hopefully, <laughs> next year. <laughs> yeah, I think the website says April 23rd, 2021. Yeah. I think that's what their website says. So. Okay, so a year from now. If you are interested in following along on his journey, if you want to see the show, you can follow him at... Nathan, and then my last name, I'm just not going to say it because nobody can get it right, T-S-U-J-I. So it's at Nathan Tuji. Mm -hmm.